I got a new chair and the twins don't like it. Welcome to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. They think I'm too laid back. It's the third time I'm doing this damn intro. What the hell, guys? Yeah, maybe you should work on your craft rather than getting new chairs. Tim's leaning back you know, too much. He thinks he's a cool guy right now, and he messed up the intro twice. <laughs> Start so, yeah. calling you Fat Joe. It's a problem. I, I, I only messed up the intro once. I forgot to say Brodo. It's not that big of a deal. Who needs to know the name of our podcast? And then you called it Brodoville. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a trip down to Vo- Rotoville right now. It is week cuatro. That's right. For those of you non-Spanish speakers out there, week four. Um, a lot to talk about this week. A lot of matchups. Every team is still without a bye. Speaking of messing that up, Michael messed that up yeah, last week. Was that about? Yeah. I, it's typically week four when the bye start. I guess maybe it's a COVID season type thing. No, you're typically an idiot. How about that? Fair enough. How does that make you feel? Fair enough. <laughs> uh, we got the first half slate of games for you coming up. The Broto Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Okay, so the big story um, right off the bat is the COVID story. So let's get that right off of this as, I mean, let's, let's address it right away. Because we talked about it a little bit yesterday on the Patreon-only podcast, um, but that's only for patrons. By the way, we are one away from a big milestone. Shout out to all you patron members. Um, Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy to support the show, to get the extra episode, to be part of the Discord, the most popping Discord in the Fantasy Nation. Um, exclusive stats, exclusive giveaways, tons, tons more. Um, exclusive you, podcast. You can join the league. Yeah, exclusive podcast. I already mentioned that. Michael. Honestly, I'm feeling a little agitated right now. I don't know if you could tell. Why is this? You look non-agitated in your new chair. Yeah, I don't like this new chair. You're OD low. I'm just like staring at your head only. Usually well, you're like yeah, well, standing up also, or something shirtless. Yeah, I am usually standing up and shirtless. <laughs> this is a very big pecs. change. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, but do you know what else is a change? Me losing in fantasy. Not not for nothing. My teams started strong this year. I had a lot of two and zero teams. I shit the bed hard last week. My worst, my worst loss was I was going into Monday night and I had Mark Andrews and he had Kansas City defense and it was an ex- ex- exact tie game. I was like, yo, I got this in the bag. Nope. I, I even yeah, texted you guys on, on Twitter and you gave me 80% chance of victory. Because nope. you did have an 80% chance of victory. I know. And Mark Andrews had to fucking screw me over. Damn it, Mark. I'm the Mark. opposite. Opposite of you. My, uh, my first... Week was awful, and then the last two weeks have been glorious. My teams are riding high right now. Yeah, and uh, I uh, I had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I was down by 5.8, and Patrick Mahomes at the one-yard line threw a touchdown to Eric Fisher. Ouch. So that one hurt. Ooh. Ouch, man. All right, so the COVID Ouch. games. The Can you say, league. let's talk about the COVID uh, games, and start talking about your I, fantasy leagues I instead? Did. I did, but I want to mention... That I'm agitated, but I'm no longer agitated down below. Do you know why, Michael? Mm, tell me why. Because I am manscaped, baby. I use the lawnmower 3.0 to get my shit sexy and clean. That is right. I am feeling agitated everywhere else. 
but in the Groinjulers. Because I'll tell you what right now, Manscaped, they are obsessed with making the best products. And the Lawnmower 3.0 is their best product yet. It has all this technology in it. It whispers silent. It is wireless. It has really, really like great speed as well. Like I remember when I used to, you know, go go to town down there, it used to just be like I used to take forever. I used to bend in weird places. This stuff gets rid of it quickly. You're done. Bada boom, bada bing. No one can hear you in and you're out. Um, best part about all this is that not only do they have the lawnmower, they have other products. And if you use the promo code BROTO, that's B-R-O-T-O, at checkout, you get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that is the promo code B-R-O-T-O at manscaped.com for the lawnmower 3.0 and anything else you need. Uh, boxers, great boxers, by the way, anti-chafing boxers. Wore them again today to work out. Um, anti-chafing boxers. Bockers? Those aren't things. Um, Colognes, ball colognes, ball deodorants, all there. 20% off with the code BROTO at manscaped.com. And also party belts, the official championship belt of the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast. When you win your championship because of us this year, make sure you win it in style with the party belts championship belt it is completely customizable it looks dope it is one size fits all and it is at an affordable price yeah you want to walk around with the belt but who wants to spend 300 of their fantasy winnings like I, a lot of leagues i would say i'll say the average price of a league is like around 100 um let's say you play in a 10-man league and you split the profits a little bit that's like 700 you can spend 300 on the of that on a on a belt no nope. you're not gonna do that so get a nice belt, a belt at a Great price, and that is at partbelts.com. If you use our promo code BRODO, you get an even better price, 15% off our promo code BRODO, all caps, B-R-O-T-O. All right, let's get into this COVID news. What do you guys say? And BRODO was his name So COVID is getting a little worse. We talked about this a little bit on the Patreon pod yesterday, like I mentioned, but COVID is now spread to another player on the Tennessee Titans. They have moved back the game at least to Monday, thinking about playing the game on Tuesday. Um as of right now, there is a chance if it's spread to enough players that the game just does not get played. That is a chance that may happen. Um, uh, beyond that, something I haven't heard many analysts talk about is it's they're just saying players have COVID. We don't know which players. So no, that man. I mean, they already announced the three players that were put on the COVID list yesterday. Get with the there's program. another. There's another player though. That well, yeah. has it. All right, one more player. But I mean, the three they what already I, announced three players. It was a DT, the long snapper, and a backup tight end. It was okay, a backup so, DT, a backup tight end, and a long snapper. So it wouldn't have any effect on fantasy. Facts. Sorry, I should have. No I should have made those this, positions. Not yeah, I should have made this more clear. But I'm saying you don't know who has COVID just because COVID is something that spreads as of right now. So um, we don't know. It's it's a complicated situation. Uh, in our league, I I'm the commissioner. I came up with the the solution of possibly dropping people on Sunday morning and having the commissioner put them back on teams on Tuesday. Um, only if they're COVID available, if you didn't plan for this with IR spots, um, we're going to have a vote. I, there's many ways to take care of this. Michael, how are you approaching this? If you're in a fantasy league, man, I think everyone's going way too hard right now. I'm not going to lie with all these new crazy rules. They're just implementing in the middle of the season. Look, if they don't play, it becomes their bye week, period. That's exactly how the NFL is handling it. Why wouldn't fantasy leagues handle it the same exact way? Just keep it as is. If they don't play, 
pick someone up off waivers and start them. You're going to have them later on in the year when you wouldn't have had them. Simple as that. And to go off of that note, I tweeted this. Luckily for um, fantasy football players out there, Broncos-Jets is a disgusting game. Arguably, the only person you're starting from that game is Melgo. Maybe no offense. So really, there's not that many implications there. So you have until Sunday to see what's going to happen, which is a positive for fantasy. I don't know. I think you're. I think you're downplaying it a little bit, Michael, because that could have a real big effect on the season. And I don't know. I don't. I don't see that. I don't see that as fair. But all the games are gonna be made up during their bye weeks. Like if that happens. So How do like, you know? How do you know? Because what else are they gonna do? A team's not gonna play fourteen games in a season. They're gonna make up the game somehow. You say that, but it happened in baseball, and there's no bubble here, so there's always and they a made risk. Up the games in baseball. I think just dismissing that this could happen in the future is uh, not the way to go. But it is it is what it is. Um, prepare yourselves. If you have Steelers, if you have Titans, make some moves now. Prepare yourself for that. But keep your eye on the news. Um, all right, you guys ready? Let's do it. I was born ready. All right, so I'm going to put a little a wrinkle into this today because it's week four and bye week start next week. Also, starting next week, we mentioned this a lot, is we're not paying attention to last year at all whatsoever anymore. So, um, I'm going to ask you guys, is he droppable for a lot of people today? Sounds good to me. And you tell me if they're droppable. Christian Kirk, yes. Is he droppable (laughs) depending on if there's another bad game this week or at this moment now? At this exact moment. Okay. All right. So, let's start with the Broncos at the Jets. The best thing that can happen in this game is Darnold plays decent and Gase Loses his job anyway. That is the number one um, thing that I want. Um, let's see if it happens. Um, Sam Darnold. <clears throat> How do you start him? You can't, right? I mean, not even in a two-quarter. You don't league. start you any do Jets, man. Like, I think yeah. we just move on. Well, so you start Jamison Crowder if he plays. Right. Let's be real. Right. I would even, I would start even with Jamison Crowder out, Braxton Berrios has scored a touchdown in two straight games. Like, he's been a wide receiver three or better in two straight games in Jamison Crowder's role. And Jamison Crowder is better than Braxton Berrios. Is Crowder going to play, though? He's been it's limited, the and they're saying it looks like he's going to play. So, I mean, I'm going to fire limited. up Crowder as a wide receiver three if he's healthy. I'm still a little weary. That's the question, if he's healthy. he's It's a short week, and he's limited, and he hasn't played in two weeks. He, I mean, but if he does play, if they deem him good to play, there's two things you could say. One is Adam Gase trying to save his job. Um but there's another one where he's actually healthy. And if he's actually healthy and he's playing, I think he's he has a chance to be a good play. So keep your eye on that. Um, every, yeah, everyone else, forget it. Uh, let's go over to the Broncos side. Uh, actually, you know what? One other person that might be good to play in this game. Don't say Jets Chris side. Herndon. Jets defense. Oh. I know we don't usually talk defense as much on this show, but, um, I mean, Jets defense is a good play against the Broncos who are starting a rookie undrafted free agent from Boise State from last year. Um, so let's go over to the Broncos. Speaking of them, let's start with that, uh, with that running game because the passing game is going to speak for itself. Philip Lindsay may be back. Um, he's in practice. He's limited. He may play on Thursday. If this was Sunday, I think he would definitely play, but the fact that it was Thursday makes it a little iffy. If he comes in, I don't think he's the worst desperation dart throw shot. If you need something, um, yeah, but it, that's all that is. And then Melvin Gordon, obviously his value takes a hit with the return of Lindsey. Yeah, if Lindsey plays, um, keep an eye on that. Either way, 
not that big of a fan of Melga this week. Uh against the Jets or not. He has Brett Rippey in at quarterback, and the Jets' run defense isn't as good as it was last year, but it's still not a walk in the park for opposing uh, running backs. And Melvin Gordon, I mean, he's good. He's looked good the first two games, and then last week, that was a debacle against Tampa Bay. And sure, he's going to get the work, but we're talking about a Brett Rippey, and like you said, a UDFA from last year, led offense. It's just going to be a bunch of short passes and runs. I'm, I honestly believe... There might be zero touchdowns scored this game. Uh, wow, that'd be something. Uh, word on He's the street just a about volume-based RB two from Melgo, in my opinion. Word on the street about Ripian is because I'm not going to sit here and like other fantasy analysts act like I scouted Ripian at <laughs> Boise State and know what the fuck I'm talking about with him. But um, the word on the street is that he has good accuracy, but he has small hands, only nine inches, and he has some arm strength issues, which means. I love me some Noah Fant. Ten targets last week. He's the tight end three on the year. Um, I think Noah Fant is a great play, again, because backup quarterback with a weak arm means tight ends getting the ball. I think Noah Fant is a bad play once again. Um, I was a bleh on him last week, too, and was mostly right. I understand he's going to get targets, but it's all about the value, baby. True target value. And we don't even know what Ripian is able to do. And sure, he can get targets, but last week he had ten targets and turned that into seven half PPR points. And how, many minutes, at, how many minutes are we into this show real quick before you go forward? 13. 13 minutes. How have we not mentioned that true values are out? <laughs> Word. <laughs> wow, we suck at this, folks. <laughs> we fucking blow. Brotofantasy.com, by the way, for guys, our first edition of true values are out. It is the only stat on earth that gives you the actual true value of a fantasy throw from a quarterback and a fantasy target. For a receiver. So, for example, if you have Noah Fant and you could say he's going to get 10 targets and you assume seven receptions, looking at his true target value, you can make up your mind on how many points he's going to get based on his averages for the season. It is a little more complicated than that, but I kind of like a little funny, it down a little bit. A little funny that you use Noah Fant because we absolutely have zero data on Brett Ripien, so you honestly can't use true values for Noah Fant. But based on Drew Locke's <laughs> true value That's and um, Jeff Driscoll, who are both bottom 10 in the league, Noah Fant slides in at number 13. So that's where I think he's a blind option. Like, tight ends aren't really great this week, so you're probably going to start him. But I don't expect anything crazy because I'll move on to receivers too. Judy Hamler, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, they all saw five to four, four to five catches last week. There's real no one A in the offense right now with Sutton out. It is Judy getting the most targets, but he's a rookie too with his own growing pains. I'm starting him if I had to start a wide receiver for the Broncos, but like someone's gonna score, but I'm I don't want to take my chances on who that is. Yeah, I'm not I, I have Judy in like flex territory because again, it seems like it's a great play against the Jets, but Judy lined up in the slot 94% of the time uh, when he was on the field last week, which is odd. I mean, K.J. Hamler was a slot receiver in college. They drafted him. Everyone expected him to be a slot guy. And then he lined up on the outside 90-plus percent of the time. So I feel like Judy gets goes up against Brian Poole, who's, who is one of the best, was probably behind Chris Harris, the best slot cornerback in the league last year. He's been decent this year to start as well. So it's, that's like the worst matchup you could have is Jerry Judy. And then are you going to trust KJ Hamler on the outside with Brett Rippey in at quarterback? I'm not. Like Noah Fant, 
I agree he's a decent play just because he should see a bunch of targets. But again, it's Brett Ripien, so I think his ceiling's super limited. I'm telling you, this game's going to end with possibly zero touchdowns scored. When you said that Fant was 13th in true target value, I actually got happy as a, as someone who rosters Fant because if you're talking about a true uh, throw value that you said was 28th and 30th in the league. I said bottom 10. That? I don't bottom so bottom 10th so less than less than 22nd Lock in the league. Lock is 29, then, Driscoll's 22. So there you go and he's turning that into number 13, so he's making his targets worth more than they're worth coming out of the quarterback's hand. That's a player that I want. That's a player that I'm tracking. Um, let's go over to the next game. This one should be a little bit more fun. Vikings at the Texans. I want to talk about Justin Jefferson because I just dropped a third of my fab in our home league for Justin Jefferson, and I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. 175 yards. You got to love that number. By the way, he had his first 100 yards before halftime, before he got the 75-yard reception. So he already had 100 yards when he got that big reception where he danced at the end that everyone's talking about. Um, the number I'm most excited about is nine targets, seven catches, because there's a void in this offense. And him being part of this offense fixes that void. We know that Steph, Stephon Diggs, although he was erratic in that spot, has been fantasy viable in that spot for years. And you put a talent like Justin Jefferson in that spot, and you, this, you know the sky's the limit in terms of what he can do. And here's why I love him even more than that. He gets Houston this week. Beatable secondary, although they've been decent. So you are you could start him this week. But then the next two weeks, Seattle and Atlanta, back-to-back, boom, boom, the two worst passing defenses in the league this year. I want – oh, man, I am so happy about Justin Jefferson. I'm playing him this week, and I'm playing him for the next three weeks, and I, I'm putting him in my flex. I'm being very happy in my wide receiver three spot. And to continue the love fest, not only did his targets go up last week, but his route tree also expanded. Um, well, he ran more even, cross and go that. and out routes. And last week buoyed it, but he is also number one right now in yards per route run for wide receivers. And look, I love me some Justin Jefferson. I was high on him coming into the season. I drafted him. He's my most owned player in my best ball leagues, but... I'm going to tell you guys to chill out a little bit here because, yes, Houston doesn't seem like a very daunting matchup, and it's not a super daunting matchup, but Houston has allowed zero, uh, excuse me, one top 24 receiver this year, and they played against KC, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. So, like, they're not getting super beat through the air, and Adam Thielen is going to command the highest target share on that team. There is There is one caveat to that, though. They played Pittsburgh. Deontay Johnson went down in that game, if I'm not mistaken, right? And A.J. Brown didn't play for the Titans. So there are caveats to that. I mean, sure, but it doesn't mean they haven't been a decent passing defense because they have. No, they have. They have. And Minnesota's Uh, passing offense prior to last week looked like it was one of the worst passing offenses in the league. So I'm not going to jump the gun super quickly. Justin Jefferson has a fair share of risk this week i think he's a flex play but a risky one at that and adam thielen of course i'm firing him up against houston because they can be beat and they don't really have a cornerback to match up with Thielen. bradley roby but bradley roby is whatever three touchdowns in three games as well he'll always have a high floor even if he's not getting the yardage total adam thielen definitely uh you know he's not getting the last two games he's not getting that volume that we thought he was going to get 
So I am a little nervous going forward. I like him in this game, but I'm a little nervous about Adam Thielen going forward. I'm not going to lie. Uh, a guy that I'm not worried about is Dalvin Cook. I do want to tell you, Tim, Adam Thielen right now, 29th in true uh, target value. Yeah, I mean, it's... So he's uh, slotting in as a high-end wide receiver three at the moment. I mean, not for nothing. This is why I wasn't drafting Adam Thielen And that's how year. he's performing as a wide receiver three. I was going to say, Michael was the one that wasn't really on Thielen this, this year, and... I mean, the he, Michael mentioned like he's an undrafted free agent. He's not the most athletic dude. He doesn't cu- jump off the screen when you watch him. Um, he's just a really good player. So can he carry the load? What you what you wanted was that daunting, ridiculous um, target share. But if Justin Jefferson comes up, and again, the reason why I love Justin Jefferson so much, and not to harp on this, is because there is a role in this offense that fits him, and that is for him, and he is now slotting into that role. So, I don't know. It makes me a little nervous about Adam Thielen going forward, but I like him in this game. I'm Let's go over concerned and this will be a cookie game, though. Uh, if you look at what's happening against the Texans this year, CEH, the Ravens, and James Conner, three very good running backs, but so was Dalvin Cook, all lit up Houston. Yep. And Yeah, uh, Cook Dalvin is Cook is a locked and loaded superstar, set it and forget it. Uh, anytime he's healthy and on the field, his ceiling is running back one overall. So Ceiling is the uh, roof. Yeah. <laughs> His ceiling is the roof. Um, the tight ends. Any interest? Nay. Dude, no interest in the tight ends, but Kyler Rudolph, 73% of snaps. Irv Smith, 55. Kyler Rudolph, three targets. Irv Smith, zero. Rudolph got the red zone target and the touchdown on a beautiful catch, but really it's uh, Irv Smith is obviously droppable. Kyler Rudolph is touchdown or bust, so no thank you. All right. Uh, let's go over to the other side then. Deshaun Watson. In a great matchup right here, Vikings have been horrible against the pass. Uh, this is a public service announcement. Yahoo has them ranked 23rd against the pass, and this is why it's hard before week four is over to have any type of aggregate data and rely on it because you look at 23rd against the pass, and you're, uh, 23rd meaning like uh, they have the 23rd lowest. It's like that's they're good. So what's 23? Nine. They're ninth against the pass overall <laughs> uh, in terms of fantasy points against. So that is because their TDs have been ridiculously low because Henry stole them. Tannehill still lit them up last week. They've given up the third most passing yards in the league so far this year. Only Seattle and Atlanta are worse. So be careful basing your lineup choices on those little meters, those color meters they have and the projected points because this is the danger you fall into. Um, so what it looks like a bad matchup for Deshaun Watson is actually a phenomenal matchup for Deshaun Watson. So with that being said, um, I think this is the week that Deshaun Watson finally pays off on his ADP and gives you a really good one. I agree. I think it's Deshaun Watson week. I have him ranked as a top five QB option. If he doesn't go in this week, then you can start being concerned. But I love me some pass catching options and Deshaun Watson this week for Houston because like you said, that... Minnesota defense is terrible. Ryan Tannehill went for over 320 yards last week. He just didn't throw touchdowns because Derrick Henry stole them all. They got to the one-yard line like three different times. So I'm all about Deshaun Watson this week. I'm a little more weary because I think that the Vikings can control the clock with Dalvin Cook against that defense. Deshaun Watson has yet to finish as a... Well, he finished as a QB 12. It's his highest finish so far this season. He struggled without DeAndre Hopkins, so I'm not ready to make him a top, call him a top-five quarterback just yet. Um, Will Fuller, I mean, that's the go-to guy. If I like Watson this week, then I got to like him. That's just the rules. Um, this is a good matchup. And, I, you know, this team is desperate. 
This team is 0-3. They faced the gauntlet. They faced Kansas City, Baltimore, and the Steelers. Not a nice uh, opening three games for them. A very predictable 0-3 for them. So we haven't really seen what they're capable of because they faced three juggernauts of the AFC. So now that they're facing a team that has its own issues, do they break out of it? And I think that Will Fuller gets a couple shots downfield because this team is kind of just like, yo, we got to go for it. This is it. Where if we go on four, the season might as well be over. So I think this is a this is one of those games that just kind of sneaky could be a Will Fuller 130 yards, two touchdowns type game. I'm not predicting that, but uh, this is like one of those sneaky plays where this could be a giant game for Will Fuller. Yeah, I love me some Will Fuller this week. I've missed my wide receiver 13. I don't. Wow. I'm not scared of okay. Minnesota. Who that, is not scared. Who in that secondary is going to keep up with Will Fuller? Plus, they're dealing with injuries in that secondary. That secondary is an absolute joke. And if their offense is better now from what it was the first two weeks, that just means they're going to score more. And guess what? That means that Sean Watson is going to have to pass to catch up to them too. Like, I'm all about Will Fuller this week. I even think Brandon Cooks is a good flex option. I have his wide receiver 38. I mean, the guy played 87% of the snaps last week, five targets. Every game he's seen at least five targets, 90% of the snaps and 87% of the snaps the last two weeks. So he's basically an every down player at this point, along with Will Fuller. So I think they're both good options this week. On that note, talking about playing a lot, I also like David Johnson this week. I know we're not big David Johnson people on this podcast, but he played 96% of the snaps last week. And also... Only Ezekiel Elliott has run more routes than Der- David Johnson this season so for running targets. backs. He's this um, Minnesota's been the sixth worst team against running backs, and like we're saying, this could be a positive game script. This game, yeah, I you know how much I disdain David Johnson, but I agree. This is a week where you start David Johnson, and you might actually be happy about drafting him. <laughs> I agree with you guys, David Johnson. Uh, They've given up 400 yards and four TDs on the ground to running backs in three games. So I think David Johnson is in a good position to succeed. You, uh, I, I miss it. You broke up a little bit. Did you say Randall Cobb or Brandon Cooks was – you can play both of them? Uh, no, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. Randall Cobb is more of a I don't know about Brandon Cooks. Play. Brandon Cooks hardly involved again last week for the second time. I mean, he, he, saw, on the field. he saw five targets tied with Fuller and Cobb. Like they all mm. saw five targets, and it was against Pittsburgh. If he's playing 87% of the snaps with Deshaun Watson at QB against a bad secondary, I'm willing to take that shot in my flex. What about Randall Cobb? You're not worried about his emergence last game? No, I think that's... He's playing like 70% of the snaps. I'm He's more of a desperation flex in my opinion. I think Fuller and Cooks are the, the clear top two guys in that offense. I have an IHD next to Cooks. Is he droppable? I'm, gu- I'm guessing you're going to say no to that. Not quite. Not after seeing how much he was involved the last couple of weeks. 90% snaps, 87% snaps, uh, 13 targets during that span. So their their schedule eases up a bit here. So I'm not going to drop him just yet. Jordan Atkins, only three targets last week after seven targets week before, not going in the direction you want to see. Um, and, I mean, 68% yeah, of snaps. He was over 80% the first two games. That was a, a little upsetting. Yeah, I mean, you can't trust Aikens this week. Hopefully, the involvement pops back up. But, I mean, Darren Fells is involved in the red zone, too. So, too low of a ceiling right now for Jordan Aikens. Um, anything else in this game you guys want to talk about? No. I don't think so. No. All right, let's move on to the next game. No. Saints at Lions. 
The big news, Michael Thomas returned to practice and is moving well on his ankle. The fuck? Um, according to reports, he will be a boon for that entire offense for sure. And to look at the matchup here, Desmond Trufant has been complete and utter trash um, so far to the point where he's basically benched at this point. Jeff Okuda, the rookie, might be on him. Michael Thomas versus a rookie. I don't care how good that rookie is. I'm taking Michael I Thomas mean, all day. Look, Why are we assuming Michael yeah. Thomas is going to play? I'm 100% assuming he's not going to play. I mean, this is a bad really? ankle spring head. Yeah, man. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to rush him back that fast. That would just be stupid. He, They say at all the reports right now, he is practicing and he looks good. That's what they're saying. I mean, but it's a high. Look, I'm not. I I don't even have Michael Thomas in my rankings. If there's reports later in the week, of course, always check back into our rankings. I'm gonna move him into my top twelve because it's Michael Thomas against Detroit, like you said. But for now, I I ranked my New Orleans Saints on the basis that Michael Thomas will not be playing this game. Um, yeah, and by the way, a little uh, cheap plug. At Brodo Fantasy on Twitter to keep up with us during Thursday and Friday, two very important days, and Saturday for that matter. So, uh, you know, we, we record these on Wednesday, so there is things that change between Wednesday and Sunday, and where you can keep up with that information is at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter. Um, all right, so let's go to the guy who's definitely going to play and definitely uh, definitely is going to play well if, if you know, history is any indication. Um, guys... I mean, this is kind of a giveaway, but I'm going to ask you. Say anyway. the name. Do you know who the number one receiver on PFF is right now? The number one ranked wide receiver is? Alvin Kamara, I assume. Alvin Kamara is the number one ranked wide receiver on PFF. Um, first in yards after catch, first in broken tackles from any receiver. You expect that. He's a running back. Um, he's absolutely been unstoppable. If someone tries to dissuade you by saying the Lions have given up the fifth least reception in the league to running backs, respond to that with, that is going to be a lot worse of a stat for them next week because Alvin Kamara is about to change that stat up. Yeah, Alvin Kamara's true target value would place him as the eighth overall wide receiver, and he gets rushing work. The dude is basically Christian McCaffrey this season. Talking about that, dude. Oh, yeah. Alvin Kamara is on pace for 144 catches. Holy moly. Last year, Christian McCaffrey at 116. Holy moly. Yeah, but I think Christian McCaffrey also had way more, like, rushes. He only had six rushes last game. They really, like, they love getting yeah. him in space. Uh, and, and I don't blame them. So, I, I mean, he could catch 144 balls. I think that's a possibility. Like, am I bugging? No, not with the way this offense is looking and Drew Brees' inability to throw downfield. He's clearly he's probably, the number one option this week, period. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's the number one overall player this week. Yeah. Um. Traquan Smith. I'm ready to get um, hurt again, Tim. I'm ready, ready to get, get hurt, hurt by Traquan Smith again. Tell me about it. Look, I asked Jason earlier today, because Traquan Smith had a very underwhelming four-catch, 45-yard performance last week against Green Bay. I said, guess how many, guess what percentage of snaps Traquan Smith played against Green Bay? What do you think it was, Tim? 70. 100. Wow. Traquan Smith did not step off the field against Green Bay. Look, Alvin Kamara is basically the wide receiver one in that offense. I understand. But they're playing against the Detroit Lions. I assume someone on that offense is going to need to put to have a good game other than Alvin Kamara this week. I mean, they lost last week when it was only Alvin Kamara. And Traycon Smith just played 100% of snaps. Jared Cook got banged up. 
is he going to play this week? Who knows? Traquan Smith is a viable flex option this week, and I think he has a little bit more upside than people think just because they let him down last week. He's just completely out of all fantasy conversations, and I think that's a mistake. Uh, it's, Drew Brees hasn't been that good, though. His yards per attempt this season is literally four and change, which is ridiculously low. Traquan He's Smith is 57th in true target value right now. I think he has flex appeal, but I wouldn't be surprised if he lets people down again. Yeah, I'm, I prefer I'm him to Emmanuel it. Sanders, who his new name should be Emmanuel Doodoo Sanders. Really? I mean, he had a good game. Caught a TD. It's doodoo, man. <laughs> Michael Thomas is out and he can't even do anything. He's throwing doodoo paper. <laughs> I mean, I played against Emmanuel Sanders. He did something. He didn't do great, but he did something. Uh, you guys mentioned uh, Jared Cook didn't practice. Adam Troutman. Put it on the board. Right now, Adam Troutman is my dart throw catch a touchdown player of the week. You're a funny guy, Tim. I don't hate it if Jared Cook misses time. Timmy's I'm, trying to top my Foster Moreau call. He is. That's what's happening here. <laughs> Do I smell I jealousy? Mean, nah, because Michaels was better. Michael, Because Adam Troutman's going to start if Jared Cook doesn't play. So I'm picking a starting tight end. He didn't even pick. He picked a backup tight end. A third string tight end, actually. Jason right, Witten so I'm not. Of I'm not. Too. I'm not trying to take. I'm not trying to take that. You know, you can have it. You can have it. It's all yours. It's all yours. I uh, let's go you. over to. Let's go over to the other side. Um, Kenny Galladay did not look like his all the way self, but he's coming back from an injury. Uh, I expect that to go away. Um, how do you feel about Kenny Galladay in this matchup, bro? It didn't look like it, dude. Six catches for Kenny Galladay doesn't jump off the page. But that is the most a Detroit wide receiver has had in any game this season. Yeah, that was it was glorious for me. He immediately Stafford. came in, was an unborn receiver, and even if you claim he wasn't a hundred percent, you know what? It doesn't matter. Because what did Stafford do? He threw it high, he threw it behind Galladay a little bit over the middle of the field, and Galladay was over to, able to contort his body, catch it where nobody else could, and score a touchdown. And that is what Stafford has been doing since he had Calvin Johnson. That's what him and Galladay have been doing when they led the league in touchdowns last year. Kenny Galladay is a wide receiver one. No matter what, I don't care if Lattimore is on him. I don't care if Chris Harris is on him. I don't care if Chris Harris is hurt. Whatever, man. I'm just naming good cornerbacks. Janoris Jenkins. Oh, obviously, he's not on the Saints. Yeah. Janoris Jenkins is empty. But you, Mar- Marcus Lattimore is actually, excuse me, Marshawn Lattimore, the 98th cornerback right now on PFF out of 109 cornerbacks. He hasn't been he good hasn't, since his rookie year. Sorry. Yeah, his PFF grade has dropped every single year steadily. Nah, I'm a little he, salty because he called me play? out on Twitter because I said he'd be a bust. He has been a bust since his rookie year. Fuck that. Nah, he played much better in the second half last season. He has a, a slow start, but he played much better in the second half last season. Like, he had a good year. I, I'm not ready to give up on Marshall Lattimore just because he had a couple of bad games. Like, I mean, look, I'm not saying better. give up on the damn guy, but I don't give a <laughs> shit. Bust. I don't give a shit if he's guarding. I didn't call him a bust. What are you talking about? I, I told you I'm a little salty about him. I was, I, I'm was. i using hyperbole. And I don't care. It's Kenny Galladay. I'm talking about Babytron here. I'm firing him up. He was supposed. He was supposedly like still dealing with the injury last week and put in work against Arizona. I have him right in there as a top 12 option. New Orleans has been great on the ground, struggled through the air. They just got beat by Alan Lazard badly. Even Las Vegas... Darren Waller went absolutely in on them as the, their wide receiver one option, like lining up in the slot and things of that sort and out wide. I'm firing up Kenny Galladay, man. I'm also firing. I'm I'm not firing up 
Well, actually, not. I'm, I'm not going to say not firing him up. I'm personally not firing him up in our home league because I'm tired of getting burned by this damn guy. But I still think he's a decent flex play. Is Marvin Jones, man. This guy continues to see 90% of the snaps. And his whole career has been big plays. And meanwhile, this guy sees eight targets, six targets, and three targets the first three weeks against Chicago, Green Bay, and Arizona. Like, come on, yo. Another big letdown week last week. Janoris Jenkins, if Lattimore is on Galladay, then Janoris Jenkins, who's been the better option this year, is going to be on Marvin Jones. Like, I'm just, I think he's a flex play, but I'd look elsewhere this week. I'm really not super high on Jones. 38th in true target value. He's been playing like that. Like, he's a 38th. One thing- player wanting to take into consideration uh marcus davenport comes back and i think one problem with the saints is they're so great against the run but their pass rush outside of cam jordan is really it struggles so even though they got janoris jenkins even though they got malcolm jenkins um those two guys haven't been able to help against the passing game because the the you know there's no pressure on the quarterback so marcus davenport coming back could also make that better Matt Stafford, though, is going up against the team that's given up the fifth most fantasy points to QBs. Uh, how are you feeling about this matchup for Stafford? I think he's a certainly a streamable option this week. He's been very mediocre this year between 17 and 19 points every single fantasy game. I think now with Galladay back, I mean, uh, trusting a quarterback with a floor of 17 points is not the worst idea. And this game has a high implied total. They're going to need to be passing. And I think, I think Stafford's a... Good play this week if you're streaming QBs. I, I wouldn't be against it, especially TJ Hawkinson as well. I think he's going to have a big game here against New Orleans. TJ Hawkinson played 64% of the snaps, 69% of the snaps the first two weeks. People were a little afraid what was going to happen with Galladay coming back. 82% of the snaps, saw seven targets, saw a red zone target, ran a route on nearly 90% of Matt Stafford dropbacks. If this remains and TJ Hawkinson is basically their wide receiver too, he could have a huge year. Like, I really hope this wasn't just a one-game type of thing and this transfers over to New Orleans because the Saints have also allowed a tight end one every single week against them thus far. Week one, O.J. Howard. Week two, Darren Waller. Week three, Robert Tanyan. Like, sign me up all day for T.J. Hawkinson this week. I also like Hawkinson. What I don't like are the running backs. Dude, guess how many rushes DeAndre Swift has this season? Eight. He has eight. Yeah, Whoa, what the fuck? Man. Well done. Did you know that? Yeah, I mean, no, I he didn't know that. rushes like, this season, man. Swift, He's so. basically just a cat pass catching back. He played five snaps last week. Absurd. And this is probably a game where DeAndre Swift is going to have to play, but at this point you can't trust him. Darren Bevel just came out and basically called him the third option. Adrian Peterson, I never want to start, and I hope that he finally gets benched. Sorry, man. You had your time to shine. And certainly not against New Orleans front seven. Yeah, 100%. And then Carrion Johnson is just the more disgusting version of both of them. So <laughs> that backfield is a mess. I don't want to touch it. Galladay and Hawkinson are a different story. I think Jason summed up that backfield as best as I would have here been we, able to. Here we see a wild Jason in his habitat analyzing fantasy football. But everyone knows there's one thing that can make a wild Jason lose his calm, usually calm head. Paying the for one, bangles? The, the, the word... Matt Patricia. Oh. 
He's the bevel, bevel. <laughs> bevel, Jason, bevel, bevel. Jason hates Matt. I Patricia. fucking hate that guy, man. Jason will will uh, will just be hanging out in a completely non-football situation, and Jason will just go, Yo, I fucking hate Matt Patricia, bro. <laughs> just out of nowhere. Like, he really hates Matt Patricia. All right, let's go on to the next game. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens at the Washington football team. Um, let's start with Lamar Jackson. This does say big bounce back spot for Lamar. Um, it's going to be a nice test for the Washington D line here. Chase Young might play, but no, I am Chase not Young's out. Away by Chase the Young's line. Oh, I, I, I saw a report that he was had limited practice. And he might play. That's, Wrong. that's a big <laughs> fake news. <laughs> fake news. I don't know. Matt I, 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 Ionitis I, 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 is also out. So, I mean, Ionitis. that D-line looked legit. It's looking a lot less legit, which is great for Lamar Jackson, who could really use a pick-me-up game here. If he doesn't have a big game here, I would be shocked. Like At this point, you better have a damn good game against the Washington football team without their two yeah. best defensive line. Lamar Jackson, week one, best true value in the league, only behind Gardner Minshew. Week two, league average. Week three, very much below league average. He slots in a quarterback nine. That was the concern with his pass catchers. Lamar Jackson was uber efficient last year, and now we are seeing the results of that. Um, Mark Andrews is the tight end seven in true target value, and we have seen that he has not lived up to his top three tight end potential thus far this season. And Marquise Brown is wide receiver 34. 34, folks. exactly what we said he'd be in the beginning of the season. He's a wide receiver three at best, mostly a flex play. I just don't see that wide receiver two upside, including in this game. There's no Chase Young. Washington's a bad offense. I think it's going to be a run-heavy game. Uh, I don't love the pass catchers, including Marquise Brown. And Mark Andrews is starting to scare me a little bit, too. He's looking like a touchdown-dependent guy. Bugging. I'm bugging a little bit, but is he not? I no it, no because look, it's hard to believe how bad he played last game. Like both of these guys, back to back pretty bad performances. But you know the Redskins have allowed three TDs to tight ends already this season. Andrews did have eight targets, and I'm not for nothing. He was a couple of good catches away from having a giant game of seventy yards and a touchdown. Um, and that doesn't sound like a really giant game. That's a giant tight end game. Um, he has nine still- catches this season, man. He's, but he's still the number one Not target great. on amazing offense. Yeah, he has nine catches, but he had a bad game where he got targeted eight times. Like he should have caught three, four of those passes, and then all of a sudden you're talking about twelve passes. And that's something. Yeah, I'm not panicking at all. He's still the number one target in an amazing offense. I'm not panicking. I mean, well, let's no see. Way. Let's see how this week goes. You got to start panicking a little bit if it's another down week for Andrews. But I agree. I still have him as a top five tight end option this week. I'm, again, like I said, if if you struggle against Washington without their two best defenders, then you could start getting a little concerned. But I agree Marquise Brown is more yeah. of just a, a, a wide receiver three flex play because he's seen six targets each of the first three games. This dude either needs to catch a long touchdown, catch a long pass, or you're going to be disappointed that you started him. So you better hope he catches a long one. Mark what about Ingram. the other? What about the, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, before we get to Mark Ingram. What about the other wide receivers? Nah, man, we're not touching Boykin and Snead. You kidding me? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I just want to say something a little bit, a little bit about marking. Can, can you let me? Can you let me? Can you let me host here? Throughout throughout time and history, Jeez, evil please. monsters have been portrayed. This is why I got cut off. Every time something has three heads, oh it is evil. It is a monster. Oh. And this backfield is an evil three-headed beast. Oh. 
both Ingram and Dobbins are hanging around as almost RB3s, and they're just tickling your pickle, just dangling a little hope that they dangle, might dangle. break out. And um, they are nothing for me. They're nothing more than good bye week filling slots this week. You have no bye weeks this week. So if, if I'm if I I would want to pivot off both Dobbins and Ingram if I could. I you you said three headed backfield and it got me thinking about Earth Wind and Fire. That was fun. Josh Jacobs and Mod Bradshaw and Derek Ward. What a time that was. Josh Jacobs. Yes, Josh. Tra- oh, Brandon, Brandon Jacobs. Jacobs. Wow, I just Brandon. pulled a Tim. I get so upset when I do that because I make fun of Tim every time he does it. Yo, last season, Mark Ingram <laughs> saw at least 12 touches in every game except two. This season, he's done that zero times. Ouch. J.K. Dobbins leads the team in snaps, leads the team in pass routes, and still doesn't have much to show for it because Goose Dog Edwards won't go away because he's a stud. He averages over five yards a carry on his career. He leads the league in yards per carry this season. You can't really do anything with these guys until further it's true. Notice. I liked Mark Ingram at ADP this year, man. I I did not see him losing that role of one-third of the team's rush attempts every week. Like, that's all that he had last year, and he was an RB1. But, man, has that changed? I mean, now it's just straight up Ingram, Dobbins, Edwards. You never know who's going to be on the field. Dobbins seems like the one against KC who's on the field more when they needed pass when they were in comeback mode, he saw four targets. Ingram only saw one. <sighs> this backfield. I don't know. Even against Washington without their two guys, uh, Young and Ionitis on the defensive line. Look, you know, you just... one of them is probably going to score a touchdown. Maybe even two of them between Ingram, Dobbins, and Edwards. But if they don't score a touchdown, they're getting you like three or four points tops. Like It's really hard to trust these guys as anything more than flex plays and low ceiling flex plays at that. It's tough right now for for that Baltimore backfield. Even going to the next backfield of Washington. Sorry, Tim, but we're already on the topic of uh, yeah, what, running what back fuck, by man? committees. Dude, you guys keep you guys keep jumping at players without me. Like, what am I gonna do? I'm just, what, what am I dude, gonna do? hold on. I just had to get this off. Enjoy the, your chair off Tim. my chest real quick. <laughs> <laughs> JD McKissick saw fifty three percent of snaps last week. Crazy what the fuck? Loco. Week one, it's Peyton Barber. Week two, you think Gibson's going to take over. And then McKissick gets 53% of the snaps the next week. Not for nothing, but like, yo, people who are mad high on Antonio Gibson, like, I feel you, but the dude only had 33 carries last year. Like, they're not going to give him a workhorse role. Like, yeah, yeah, he got 50% of the snaps. That is what you should expect for the rest of the year. And if you expect more than that, if you expect him to get over 60, you're bugging. Well, I mean, he saw... It's not realistic. Chill out. He saw 65% of snaps week two. Okay, right. fine. And then 40 yeah, last week, 60, which kind of came out of nowhere. 65. Either way. He's not, he's not a workhorse. Either way, similar to Baltimore, you're really going to trust Antonio Gibson in your starting lineup at this point as anything more than like a low-ceiling flex play because that's what he is. Luckily, he's found the end zone the last couple of weeks, but I'm not trusting that Washington offense against Baltimore. Are you kidding me? Baltimore is going to come out against Washington pissed off after their debacle of a game against KC after they absolutely destroyed Cleveland and Houston. I think they're going to dominate Washington. I, I even think Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, right now, his expert consensus ranking is wide receiver 11. Get that. Dude, Get holy moly. Fuck? First off, cheap plug and a little flex here. I was wide receiver 12. Oh, excuse me. I was overall ranker 12 of wide receivers last week. So listen to me when I say Terry McLaurin as wide receiver 11 this week is an absolute joke against Baltimore. First off, what Terry McLaurin's... True target, val- true target value this year 
with 25 targets through three games, which is a lot of targets. 39. That's how bad Dwayne Haskins is. Dwayne Haskins is 31st in true target value. If you if you are trusting Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver one or two this week, you're bugging out. I have him as wide receiver 28. I'm I'm doing that because I have to. So uh, I hope you're wrong. The but one thing I'd say to that is McLaurin has seven, ten, eight targets these games against the Ravens. It seems like a game where he's going to get double digits. And that's when I, he does pull vault into wide receiver two, three territory, according to true values. If he gets double digit targets, that team is not going to be able to move the ball against Baltimore, man. Yeah, but they will when Baltimore lightens up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Terry McLaurin has, you know, six points through the first three quarters and then ends up with like 18. No, nah, Haskins like, isn't good enough to do that. Yeah. I mean, huh? Ron Rivera, did you see what Ron Rivera said about Haskins after the game? No. He's pissed. He was like, he he said that his his guys deserve more, and that there is a cutoff point. So this dude's gonna be bun- benched sooner rather than later because Dwayne Haskins, boy, did he not progress at all into his second year in the league? Jeez Louise! Well, who are you benching him for? Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Alex Smith, bro. On that note, I was surprised, um, but he's seeing enough targets, and tight ends are a landmine right now. Logan Thomas came in at the ninth tight end in true target value, so that's how important. Targets are for tight ends. For tight ends. Um, I have him as a streamer possibility. Look, when you're getting seven to nine targets a game as a tight end, it means something, even if it's Haskins throwing the ball. Uh, you guys want to talk about anyone else in this game? I don't think so. I don't even think so either. Tim? I don't um, think so, man. Let's go to our next one then. Uh, our next one is the Cardinals at the Panthers. So, Surprising stat that was shared in our initial true throw value reading is surprising um, because Kyler Murray has been so good. He's been amazing as a runner, but he's not been great as a passer. Um, and that is, you can look at that as one of two ways. Are you nervous that Kyler Murray is regressing or are you hopeful because if he has, if he's the quarterback three, which he is right now, even when he's, Number thirty in true throw value, if if, if I'm not mistaken, um, That's then the thirty one, thirty one. Tied with then Haskins. The sky is the absolute limit, and he's playing the Panthers, who have been good against the pass, but that, but they're one of those teams where we talked about this last year. We used to make fun of teams like they're good against the pass because they're so shitty against the run. Exactly, it's not that they're yeah. good against the pass; it's just that teams can run over them so easily that they don't pass as much. So I think Kyler Murray again is a fantasy superstar. That you're going to start and you're going to be happy about it this week. And uh, the, all aboard the Kyler Murray train this week. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if Kyler Murray are starting him, but I would be a bit concerned here if I'm a Kyler Murray owner. Look, if he's going to keep running as much as he is right now, then whatever. Like he's going to be fine. But if he has a game where he only rushes for 30 yards or so. With the way he's been passing, how inefficient he's been as a passer, he he's going to bust your team that week. He's going to give you like 9 or 10 points. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he has one of those games if there's a team that could actually contain him. Like, DeAndre Hopkins has been the only even close to efficient option on that team. And Isabella last week actually had a good game, but he saw four targets. He just happened to catch two of them in the red zone. Shout out Andy Isabella. Way better than Christian Kirk has been in Christian Kirk's career. I mean... I'm a little bit worried if I'm a Kyler Murray owner, but again, because of his legs, I'm not super worried. But you're right. 
in that the Panthers, like, they played against Derek Carr week one, where Josh Jacobs went absolutely in. Tampa Bay week two, where Fournette and Rojo went absolutely in. And then last week, where Austin Eckler went in against Justin Herbert. Like, it's not that their pass defense is good. They just haven't really been tested because their rush, their run defense is that bad. And Kyler Murray runs too, so fire him up. I think it just shows that they are who we thought they were. Every week, it's you start Drake, you start Hopkins, you start Murray, and that's about it. Because old man Fitz isn't going to do anything for fantasy purposes. Christian Kirk is a bum. I actually tweeted about this. Um, Andy Isabella in his career, 20 targets, 15 catches, 303 yards, 3 touchdowns. Wow. And only Shit. 20 targets. He is an efficiency machine. Christian Kirk in his last eight games, 54 targets, 31 catches, 299 yards, zero touchdowns. Kirk's a bum. Isabella's a beast when he's on the field. I honestly think the Cardinals will be better off if Isabella's on the field more. We'll see what happens. But for right now, Hopkins is seeing so much work that he's still 11th in true throw value, even though Murray has been a bum. Crazy. Um. All right, so let's talk about the running game then. Kenyon Drake. Is this finally the game where he breaks through the wall because you like the amount of work he's been getting? You like the fact that he's in a high-powered offense, but he's just not producing. Is this the game where he finally breaks free? Broseph. Look, say what you want about Chase Edmonds. Kenyon Drake's one of 11 running backs to see at least 15 touches a game this season. That's the modern-day workhorse, people. Get used to it. 15 touches is the threshold. And Carolina has allowed seven rushing touchdowns this season. So fire up Drake, please. Seven. Fire him up confidently. Ridiculous. Look, if Drake doesn't do well this week, then you can start being concerned about Kenyon Drake. But he's getting the volume. He hasn't been super inefficient. Like, he's just been doing enough. He just hasn't found the end end zone yet either. This is the game where he really has to be the running back one that you drafted. Let's go on to the Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater is obviously not a start. <laughs> question is, 26 true throw value, Teddy Bridgewater. Shocking. He sucks. Who knew? Um, what, what about his weapons? Because Robbie Anderson now three weeks in a row has been fantasy viable. And although DJ Moore is seeing the targets, the dude is not seeing the production. And personally, I'm nervous that he's not going to score touchdowns this year. Um, so with that being said, how do we feel about DJ Moore against the Cardinals defense that is beatable? And how do we feel about Robbie Anderson, who, you know, we're Jets fans. We So we're like, oh, yeah, you know, we've seen Robbie Anderson. He is what he is. He can't do this. He can't do that. But there is something to be said about a guy who was undrafted uh, and coached by Todd Bowles and then by Adam Gase and what he can do if he's properly coached in a proper offense by a proper offensive mind. So... Um, there is that as well. So could we have been wrong about Robbie Anderson based on that? I'll let Michael... for, this game, for this game in particular, though, like how are we feeling about these guys? Yeah, I said I was about to say I'll let Michael talk about these guys in per- in particular for this game. But based on true target values, DJ Moore has seen the ninth most targets in the league. So realistically, how much more can his targets go up? Not much. He's basically at a ceiling right now. But he's 27th in the on the year out of wide receivers in terms of fantasy points. And he's 25th in true target value. So that aligns up. So unless Teddy Bridgewater gets better fast, that's who DJ Moore is. A high-end wide receiver three. What's Robbie Anderson's numbers? Wide receiver 36. 
Huh. Interesting. Interesting. So also a wide receiver three. Look, obviously you're not ecstatic about how DJ Moore has been going this year, but he does have red zone looks, targets, in each of the games besides Tampa Bay where they just like got crushed. He had two red zone targets last week, and it was a tough matchup um, against the Chargers, obviously. Like that offense did not look very good. I'm firing him up this week, man. Wide receiver 15, I have him at. I have Robbie Anderson at wide receiver 26. I think they're both good plays this week. They have, according to PFF's wide receiver cornerback matchup chart, DJ Moore has the fifth best matchup against Drake Kirkpatrick of any wide receiver. And Robbie Anderson is top 12 against Patrick Peterson because Patrick Peterson has been bad this year too. So, I mean, the Arizona passing defense just got beat by Kenny Galladay. Uh, before that, they played Washington, got absolutely destroyed by Terry McLaurin. And before that, played San Francisco, who doesn't really... Like, they just destroyed them on the ground that game. So it's like it's not like Arizona's pass defense has been good. They've had the chance to go up against two good receivers, Terry McLaurin and Kenny Galladay coming off injury, and got beat badly by both of them. So I'm absolutely firing up DJ Moore this week. I understand the concerns long-term. I agree. I don't think he's going to be the wide receiver one. I was hoping he could be because it's just... You can't do that with Teddy Bridgewater. But I do think this week he's a good start and you'll be happy with what he puts out there. So Mike Davis is next. Mike Davis, he kind of like, I, I had my doubts about Mike Davis just taking over the Christian McCaffrey role, but there it is, and there he did need it, and he did it well. Um, he's not Christian McCaffrey. He's Mike Davis. But at the same time, he was very serviceable in his stead. Uh, how are you feeling about Mike Davis this week? First of all, I want to say ha, 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 ha to the ha, 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 ha. To the fucking idiots who thought uh, that might be a little cruel, but who thought Curtis Samuel was going to be the next coming of Christian McCaffrey, who thought this gadget wide receiver was just going to become a running back one day. Yeah, man. It's all those. And it's these like big time fantasy analysts, too, who always try to get too cute with shit like that. Curtis Samuel's the best running back on that team. No, he's not. (laughs) Otherwise, he'd be a running back. Jeez Louise. So... And on that note, Mike Davis is not only fourth in running back targets on the entire season, he's also tied with DJ Moore for the team league team lead with 17 targets over the last two weeks. And he broke eight tackles last week. This guy has been mad good. <laughs> Keep firing him up. Like, he's seen 17, eight. Eight, nine targets a game. Yeah, I was setting my rankings, and I was like, yo, Jay, am I bugging, or is Mike Davis ranked way too low? Because he was ranked in, like, the mid-20s. I was like, I have him at RB14. And then Jason's like, yeah, we're on the same page. Jason has him at RB15, I think. Fire him up, Mike Davis. I mean, if he's going to be Christian McCaffrey light, and Christian McCaffrey's always running back one, then Christian McCaffrey light is just always RB2. Fire up Mike (laughs) Davis. If he's going to be getting eight to ten targets and all the rushing work. All the running back and none of the calories. All right, let's go over <laughs> to the next game. The Colts at the Bears is our next matchup. The Although, Bears. Uh, Dan Ar- Dan, I mean, Dan Arnold. The Bears. Uh, Colts at the Bears. Let's start with the Bears because they are the new hotness with Nick Foles. Hotness. Um, I think that Nick Foles has the ability to bring a team back. He has the ability to upstart an offense. I think, though, if you are basing your 
predictions on assumptions that he definitely will, then beware. Because we've seen Nick Foles struggle as a regular full-time starter in the past. So, with that being said, are you considering starting Nick Foles maybe in a two-quarterback league? And how does this affect the pass-catching options? Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, what say you guys? Um, The Indianapolis defense has been shady. One of the best defenses in the league. And they've been great against the run. They've been great against the pass. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves here, folks. They played Jacksonville, Minnesota, and the Jets. Three defenses, I mean, three opposing offenses that have not been the scariest matchups this year. And Gardner Minshew was super efficient against them week one. So I'm not going to act like the Indy defense isn't beatable. They just didn't playing very well. I, I th- they're better than I expected, but... Look, I'm not starting Nick Foles, but I'm absolutely firing up Allen Robinson. This guy saw 13 targets last week, finally had that big breakout Allen Robinson game, and Nick Foles is an upgrade from Mitch Trubisky, which means an upgrade to Allen Robinson, which means all rosters of Allen Robinson should be very high, should be very happy. And I'm firing him up against, look, Xavier Rhodes is the highest-rated cornerback on PFF right now. Rocky Seen is still out, so Rhodes is likely going to match up against Allen Robinson. Who is he matched up against? Rocky Seen matched up against DJ Chark week one. And then against Minnesota, he matched up against Adam Thielen. But Adam Thielen went in. And then against the Jets last week, like, I'm not scared off by Xavier Rhodes. So I'm firing up Allen Robinson because he's just better, period. Simple as that. And while we're on the topic of other pass catchers, um, I do want to give this a good word of warning right here for true values. Uh, this is why we wait a few weeks, because efficiency stats can be misleading in small sample sizes. And Nick Foles did what he does best. He came in with a lot of pressure and killed it. So right now he's like sixth in true cor- in quarterback, true throw, fifth in true throw value, which translates to Jimmy Graham being third for tight ends, because tight ends suck. So I do want to give a word of warning there. This will normalize as Foles plays another one or two weeks. And it's possible that Jimmy Graham is very good with Nick Foles. But I'm not sold just yet. Jimmy Graham still has been very touchdown dependent. Um, he only has one game over 25 yards. So I'm going I'm to pump the brakes a little bit on Jimmy Graham before I trust him. Anthony Miller's an interesting one to me. Um, we talked about Jimmy Graham, by the way, a little bit more on the Patreon pod. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash uh, Fantasy. Anthony Miller is an interesting one to me because the Colts are 29th in DVOA against the slot receiver. But the Bears are last in the league when it comes to lining up with three wide receivers and and because they only line up with three receivers 45% of the time. So the hope is that Nick Foles kind of changes that offense, that Nick Foles comes in and they go to three wide receivers more. And if they do, then Anthony Miller does have some appeal. But as of right now, Anthony Miller seeing the field less than half the time. So it's tough, but I, I – I like the talent of Anthony Miller, and I think that if he gets on the field more, he'll have an opportunity to succeed. But that's what we've been saying about Anthony Miller for the last two years. His snap percentage did go up to 57% after being 42-40 and 40 the prior weeks. But again, it was against Atlanta. They were down by nearly three touchdowns in the second half, so they had their pass catchers out there. Again, he played nearly the same exact amount of snaps as Darnell Mooney. Mooney actually outsnapped him week two. So, look, Indianapolis, like I said, is not the... Most fearful matchup, but certainly not trusting Anthony Miller this week. Pa- uh, pass for me on that guy. 
Um, you want you want to make a bet, Michael Anthony Miller, top thirty six wide receiver this week? Obviously, I want to make that bet. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I want in Put on it. Michael side. You go. You both want in on it. Like, yeah, is that dude. bad of a bet? Yeah. There is something to be said about the fact that Tariq Cohen's out the year. He tore his ACL. Um, so more passes may be going around that Cohen would have received. I think the real story here is whether we're going to see David Montgomery, the three-down workhorse. Because that was the only thing. Like, volume has made him a back-end RB2 flex in his career. If he's the third-down volume guy now, too, he's going to be an RB2 every week as much as Michael hates the man. I mean, David Montgomery has been a lot better this year. and But there is something to be said about the opportunity will be there. But Indy, like you said, has been great. They've been particularly great against the running back. Top five in fantasy points against against the running back. Bottom third in receiving yards to the running back. And bottom third in receptions given up to the running back. Only one TD resender, uh, surrendered all year on the ground uh, against the Colts. So good opportunity, bad matchup for David Montgomery. But if Nick Foles, I think of, if he's going to help anyone, it'll be Montgomery. Because shady Nick Foles is one of the best RPO quarterbacks in the league the year that he had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions he ran an exclusively rpo offense when he was in philly they ran rpo a lot i mean the the the, the philly special was um nah, not that really that was a, that was a lot of rpo it's just so yes yeah, i mean that definitely wasn't an rpo so i'm bugging rpo um, was run pass he, option he for ran, those that don't know right he ran rpo a lot in that season and you know i think that that's going to help david montgomery um, and it's going to help the offense in general. So David Montgomery is someone who I like long term, but in this matchup, tough matchup it, here. It's he's, tough. He's if he sucks play. in this matchup, and the David Montgomery roster goes, "Oh my God, David Montgomery even sucks when Tariq Cohen's out." That's when you can try and buy David Montgomery on the cheap. I think if he has a bad. Game. Also interested to see if Cordero Patterson just becomes a third down back or something of that sort. Facts. True. 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 That's a good point. That's a great point. Um, anything else in this game, guys? We have to talk about the entire Indianapolis Colts offense. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, Anything else for this team? Nah, I'm chilling, dog. I'm chilling, All right, so let's go on the the forgotten child of of this segment. The the Indianapolis offense. Um, I'm playing the Bears defense this week because the Bears have a propensity for making turnovers. Um, Phillip Rivers has a propensity for letting turnovers happen. And... In fantasy, it's not the teams who who allow the least amount of yards that are the best in, at defense. It's the teams that cause turnovers. So the Bears might be on your waiver wires or uh, or a streaming option. They're one of my favorite options this week in terms of defense. Uh, but let's go over to their their um, their offense. Philip Rivers, obviously, you're not playing. But now Michael Pittman has a weird leg injury. We're wishing him the best, but he's out eight weeks. Um, they're, they're saying it's good news that Paris Campbell is not out the year. That's the last update we got on him. So you really have a situation where you have Zach Pascal and you have T.Y. Hilton, um, and then you have the tight ends, Mo Ali Cox and uh, Jack Doyle. So the question is, who benefits from these injuries? Where are you looking in terms of pass catchers with these injuries? And are you guys excited about any of these plays in this game in particular? Guys, am I crazy? Am I crazy? For having Zach Pascal as my wide receiver 41, yes. No. No, definitely no. He's 66th in the next for consensus. He's literally the only other 
stealing Adam Gase line here, breathing body on that team. And last week, he ran 67% of his routes from the slot. And we know Phillip Rivers loves his slot receivers. And every time Zach Pascal is pushed into a big role, he's performed. I mean, I guess wide receiver 60-whatever is a little low. I do have him higher than that. I have him in the 50s. But Chicago has allowed zero top 12 quarterback performances this year. Zero top 24 wide receivers against Detroit, the Giants, and even Atlanta. Well, Calvin Ridley ended up outside the top 24. Four, in three games, four top 24 running back performances. I think it's going to be a Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins type game. I have T.Y. Hilton as my wide receiver 50. I do not want a single thing to do with T.Y. Hilton. 5-0? 5-0. I have him at 37. It's funny because I don't like Hilton, but I... And guess what? Guess what? Guess what T.Y. Hilton's highest finish so far this year is? Wide receiver 50. If anything, I'm being too kind. Because now we get Chicago, who's been one of the best pass defenses in the league, and he just continues to be an absolute piece of trash on the field. And has eight targets over his last two games against Minnesota and New York. Two of the worst secondaries in the league. And now they're going to play a great secondary, and that's when you're going to trust T.Y. Hilton? If you're starting T.Y. Hilton this week, I hope I'm playing against you. That's how I feel about T.Y. Hilton. But Michael brought up a good point, too. There's a lot of wide receivers out, but Naheem Hines could be the beneficiary of that. He yeah. had five targets against the Jets last week. Mo Ali Cox. That was a bad game script. Like, we have the, against the TJ Hawkins scored. TJ Hawkinson scored a touchdown against Detroit. Evan Ingram didn't score a touchdown, but he basically should have. But uh, Daniel Jones missed him in the end zone. Hayden Hurst caught a touchdown last week. You guys going to be shocked if Mo Ali Cox scores another touchdown? I'm certainly not. Moali Cox. That dude's an absolute monster. So I think Moali Cox is an interesting streaming option again this week. He saw three targets last week only, but that was to zero for Jack Doyle. And last time these two played together, week one, Doyle saw 73% of the snaps. Ali Cox saw 39. Week two, we saw what Ali Cox did. Week three, Doyle played 53% of snaps. Ali Cox, 60. And Ali Cox performed and scored a touchdown. So... This guy's basically the starting tight end at this point, and I think he's an interesting play. I do not want to touch any Indianapolis wide receivers. They're running backs I like, though. Go ahead. They're running backs I like. They've allowed four top 24 running backs this year. Jonathan Taylor's going to get a bunch of touches. Jordan Wilkins is basically his handcuff, so keep an eye on there. If he's free, go ahead and add him. And Naheem Hines got involved in the offense again. I mean, I have Jonathan Taylor as my RB7. Naheem Hines in the 30s. I think he's an interesting flex play. But I do think he has a chance to find the end zone this week if they end up needing to pass a lot because I don't think their wide receivers are going to be open much. Uh, fun yeah. fact, makes me like Hines a little more this week or makes me hate this guy more, which I do hate um, this week. Naheem Hines has the same true target value as wide receiver 71, Jarvis Landry. Yuckers. I mean, is that supposed to be good for him or is it supposed to be yuckers in general? I don't that's know. a yuckers in general. Yuckers yeah. in general. I don't know. <laughs> um, just so you know, Ali Cox doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound right. Like, he's the, he's the type of name where you got to say Mo Ali Cox no matter what. Mo Ali Even if it's on the second, uh, the second one. Um, if you say so. Jonathan Taylor. Because I'm the Taylor. You want to you wanna start him? Of course. How many times are you going to ask Michael to talk about Jonathan Taylor? Of course, of course. 
Um, that's it for this game. Uh, unless you guys want to talk about anyone else. Totally nailed it. Chilling, killing. We nailed that one. Uh, are we going one more game or are we waiting for a part two? Give me one more. One more. One more. All right. The Seahawks. Rowan Gardner. Gardner. I'm going to start. This This one's going to be a high scoring affair. I have an, an idea of unless, um, unless it's a Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick three interception game. It's going to be a high-scoring game. The Seahawks are the dead last in the league against the pass. Um, the Dolphins are a talented pass-catching squad. Mike Kosicki, um, Preston Williams, and and Devontae Parker should all be pretty good plays in this game. Tim? Ryan Fitzpatrick, I have as my QB 12. Now, you might say, whoa, maybe you're just looking a little bit too much into the Seattle defense here. Bro. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the last two games. I have met nine. Oh, spicy. The last Holy two games, Ryan Fitzpatrick has scored 24 points and 24 points. No interceptions. The last time he did that was 2017, weeks five and six. Will he throw an interception against Seattle? Maybe. But guess what? Dating back to last season, this absolutely blew my mind. JJ Zacharyson shared this on Twitter. Dating back to last season, over the last 12 games, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the overall QB1. What'd you say? Overall QB1 Ryan Fitzpatrick dating back to last season over the last 12 games. <laughs> One? Get it to your head, One. Kid. Better than Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And he's coming off back-to-back 24-point fantasy performances. 24-point bonanzas. Whoa. Blowing my mind here, man. Yeah, it might not be the cool thing to do. It might, it, you th- might, your league mates might think you're trying to be cute by starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. But against Seattle, Seattle has allowed a QB1 in every game and has allowed, get this, six wide receiver one finishes through three games. They've allowed six top 12 wide receivers. Holy moly. I'm starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. Devontae Parker, breakout game. Here we go. He played 92% of the snaps, even though he was dealing with a hamstring injury, has now had 10 days to rest up. After playing a Thursday night game, he he was ready to have a big game against uh, Cincinnati, uh, excuse me, against Jacksonville before Miami just absolutely took over. I mean, whenever he whenever Fitzpatrick threw Parker's way, he was catching the ball, but he ended up only attempting twenty passes because he didn't need to throw because they were dominating Jacksonville that bad. Michael, that was a run-on sentence. Watch yourself. You want to fight Tim with the new chair? Because, because, Jeez, because, because. Timmy two chairs. Timmy new chairs. Look hey. at this guy. Timmy new chairs. Not my chair. Not my problem. <laughs> so I'm firing <laughs> up Devontae Parker. And now, look. Um, Common sense here would say Preston Williams is a good play too, right? Let's think about this for a second. Preston Williams, this fun guy, the UDFA that everyone loves and thinks is better than Devontae Parker for whatever reason. He played 57% of the snaps last week. After playing 90 and 81 the two weeks prior, the touchdown was his only target, and Isaiah Ford played 44% of the snaps. Maybe this had to do with the fact that they were up by a lot, so they were just resting Preston Williams. But sure Devontae Parker, with a bum hamstring, was playing 92% of the snaps. So I'm not trying to trust someone who might be on the way out. Can he go for 100 yards and two touchdowns because it's against Seattle? Sure. You want to put him in your flex play, sh- in your flex? I'm not going to stop you. I just think it's way too risky for my liking because if he is on the way out the door, which he could make me sound stupid for saying this this week, 
because he has the like the best matchup he could possibly have. I'd rather not take the shot on him. Preston Williams. Preston Williams is an interesting one. Uh, what I'm more interested in is Mike Kosicki because Mike Kosicki now two games in a row that are that were fire. And talking about one catch last week, it was ended up being a yeah. Touchdown. He had a one 15 yard touchdown only catch. So fire is a bit of a stretch. Okay, fire. He was tight end. 15. So I see what you're getting at. Eight fantasy. But that is disgusting. Fantasy viable games in a row. All right. And Jamal Adams might not play. Got a sore groin right now. If Jamal Adams doesn't play, uh, Mike Isiggy's a good play. I don't want to regret this. This is going to be the only time in my life if he (laughs) shits, shits on me. I actually like shits on if me? he shits on me. What are you OBJ? What are you talking about here? <laughs> if he shits the bed this week, I'm never gonna say this again because I've never said it before. I actually like Mike Kosicki this week. I have Mike Kosicki. Next Kisicki. is gonna be recommending Joe Mixon. Guys, I have Mike Kosicki at tight end seven. When you think Fitz is gonna do great, and when you're facing Seattle, who are letting Russ cook, Russ cook, Kosicki's gonna be on the field a lot. The times he hasn't been on the field is when the Dolphins are leading, i.e. last week. So, that's why I like Kosicki. Tight ends aren't looking good right now. Where do you have him ranked? I have him at tight end 11 right now. I might move him up. A reason why I like him and Parker as well, the Seahawks on the low are only allowing 67 rushing yards per game. That's the second best in the league. Again, though, that's that's definitely a product no, of dude. you're so bad at the pass that you're good against the run. I disagree. They've played Zeke, Gurley, and the Patriots. Yeah, I mean it's teams that the Cowboys have, are a team that's gonna run. They've played no, dude, Zeke, the Pats the are a team that's gonna run. But no, because they Russ has cooked and they've taken early leads, and those teams have been pressing and coming back. I'm gonna disagree with you here, but they also weren't like very it, it productive plays into carries. it. But they've played good running backs who haven't been good. Even if they got a few amount of carries, they weren't very productive carries either. I, that all that to say, Miles Gaskin's a no go for me this week. And dude, Jordan Howard's updated line: sixteen rushes, twelve yards, three <laughs> touchdowns. Glorious. <laughs> I'm gonna make this a weekly thing. I'm gonna just. When say was the Jordan last Howard's time we line. saw it? So have we ever seen something like this? This guy literally only comes in. Like Miles Gaskin was getting rushes at like the twelve yard line. They got to the one. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Come on, Jordan, go rush it in for us. Like, what do you? What? It's just. It's I mean, so it's odd. Working. It is. It's I mean, working. I disagree with Jason, though, because we're talking about Seattle, and we're talking about a running back who just saw five targets and then seven targets the week before and 24. is coming off 75% of the carries, uh, excuse me, percent of the snaps. He is the workhorse in that backfield now. Sign me up for Miles Gaskin in your fuck spot. Jason, you when are you going to come around on Miles Gaskin, bro? Never! I will never surrender. Uh, not this anyone else, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this offense? You want to talk about Eric Flowers? No. The offensive right, lineman? Let's, let's not talk about Eric Flowers. Um, that is all. The Holy moly, you Tim. motherfucker. Holy moly. That's what? two games what? in a row. You just forgot we didn't talk oh. about the Seahawks. The Seattle I mean, Seahawks. Let me, make this, let me make this easy. Play them. All of them. Yo. Real quick. Uh, play play your Russ and play your Tyler Lockett. Play your DK. And if Chris Carson doesn't play, then go ahead and play your Carlos Hyde. Da, 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 da. So, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I said Lamar Jackson. 
Russell Wilson. I tweeted that I cannot believe we're missing out on Russell Wilson's prime years because Brian Schottenheimer won't let the damn dude pass the ball. We're literally missing out on one, possibly like one of the best quarterbacks ever being able to throw the ball. And this is exactly what I meant. This guy's 14 touchdowns for three weeks and is literally looking like the best quarterback on the planet now that they're finally letting him throw the ball and be the pass-heavy offense that they should be with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at receiver. He's on pace for 75 touchdowns. It is absolutely (laughs) glorious. Obviously, you're firing him up as a QB1. This guy's true throw value, over 8. Over .8 every single week. .893 on average. Last year, the number one true throw value quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, ended with a .672 true throw value. Russell Wilson is at .893. Every game he's been better than the number one guy last year. That's how good he's been. Yeah. I do want to um, exercise caution with Carlos Hyde, though, because last week, Travis Homer played 21% of snaps while Hyde saw 19% of them. Interesting. I'm not ready to just say that Carlos Hyde's going to be the guy. Plus, this is a pass-first offense. So Hyde could easily become a touchdown-dependent guy. So I'm not trusting him as more than a flex. If he plays, and I even think Travis Homer may be in his flex in a super deep league. I do think uh, Hyde's going to be a bit touchdown dependent. But if he does, because they're not the zone, real pass catchers either. And Chris Carson's been making some. Well, Travis Homer's more of a pass catcher than Carlos Hyde air. is. But I agree. Hmm. And then Greg Olson and obviously aren't people I'm playing. Well, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, we mentioned liking them. What about Greg Olson? Jason just said he's not playing Greg Olson, and I concur unless my tight end options are just really thin. Tyler Lockett's the number one receiver in true target value. DK Metcalf is fifth. That really sums it up. Now could I I sign off, guys? Before we end it, I just want to give a quick shout-out to the Jets for having a player that literally ESPN didn't know that said... Unknown player on the box score. That was just something I don't think we'll ever see again. That's how rough the Jets are going through right now. And people have the nerve to call Sam Darnold a bust when he's playing behind the offensive line he's playing behind and throwing to unknown player was like number three in receiving yards last week. And uh, Chris Hogan, uh, it's so funny because sometimes Roto World, they go crazy with their updates. But their Chris Hogan updates it, it, update is hilarious. They go, uh, Chris Hogan continues to 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 uh, to have his duty of targetless wind sprints in the Jets offense. <laughs> he has no targets the last two games, but he's but he plays like ninety percent of the snaps. Jeez. <laughs> um, and he's basically Demir are- Bird. I don't understand what's going on. I mean, we'll talk about New England in the next game, but Demir Bird. Just like when he was in Arizona. It's so odd. When he was in Arizona, the I, dude was playing like 90 Why are you talking time. about Demir Bird I, right now, He's basically Chris stop. Hogan. Michael, we have to go now. I can't stop. stop. That, is a, that is a man who loves fantasy. Someone who's like, hold on, hold on. Demir Bird. All right. Michael, where can they find you? At BrotoFF Mike. Jason. At BrotoFF Jason. At BrotoFF Tim. See what we did there. At BrotoFantasy for all of us. BrotoFantasy.com for everything Broto, including articles, true throw value, and true target value. Uh... Our podcasts, our articles, and so much, so much, so much more. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy to support the show. One more until we hit a big milestone number that we'd love to share with you. 
but we don't want to jinx it before we hit it. So please, one more person, $3 a month, and you could be the person. We'll even announce your name on the next show. How about that? Whoever whoever the milestone is, we'll, tell, we'll, we'll shout you out. So if that gives you a little extra incentive to spend the three bucks, holla at your boy. Um, Manscaped, use the promo code. 20% off, use the promo code BRODO uh, at the website. 20% off, free shipping as well. And PartyBelts.com, use the promo code BRODO to get your custom, customized, customizable championship belt. Uh, until, like, later on. Peace. Later. Later.